0: Good morning and happy new years to everybody out there listening. Yes. That's a new introduction. I did that on purpose. It was not the song I wanted, but the song I wanted requires that I request rights of the right holder. And so that'll take a little bit of time. If I can get those rights, that's the song I really wanted because it struck me as more appropriate to a welcoming to a new year than this one. However, this one also caught my ears for podcast entry. As I evolve the podcast platform further than what I have done, there will be some changes that are made. Now, I will be candid that I cannot pronounce the names of the artists for this particular song, but it is under Creative Commons License 4.0. So it is available. If you follow the podcast on Substack, which is the the root, the origin of the podcast, there is links if you want to hear the, the full song or you want to hear more from the artist. They're a great artist. I love their music. Totally, if you want to get more into that, that is on the sub stack. You can get straight to the link. If you're coming from Spotify, I don't believe they give you access to the text that goes to any of the podcast entries that I post. It just gives you the header and the subheader. If that's the case, if you go to CryptoTalkRadio.net, that's the website address for the various podcasts in the network, CryptoTalkRadio.net. If you go there, it'll take you to our full list of our podcast sources and destinations. And if you go to Substack for the basic cryptonomics, then you'll find that episode, today's episode. And then inside there, you'll see the text, and you can click and go to the music. And I do that because if you do like the music, please do. Feel free to support the artist. I think it's great music myself. This is not a paid advertisement. I'm not compensated for it, but I needed to make sure it's clear. I didn't compose that myself. It did come from Creative Commons. But for the new year, let's go ahead and kick off our conversations about cryptocurrency. And I'm going to start with two points here. First is fundamentals about Ethereum based on some issues I was having yesterday that I finally got resolved early this morning around gas and ETH2O, because I think it's important that we keep that forefront of the conversation. But to kind of strengthen the case that I want to make, I'm going to be talking about a token that is not new. It's been around for a while, but it's now starting to gain some momentum. And I think it's one to keep eyes on, in my personal opinion, going into 2022, as I think there's going to be strong price movement, because it's clear that at least what they've presented as what they want to do has strong potential to resolve the issues I was having with gas fees. And nobody likes gas fees. Nobody likes how they work. So I'm going to talk about the both sides. Let's start it off with just gas fees And summary, if you didn't know, everything in crypto requires miners, M-I-N-E-R-S, not M-I-N-O-R-S, in order to do the work that you request, whether that's to buy a coin or token, to sell a coin or token, to transfer a coin or token, to mint coins and tokens. Every single transaction that is requested requires miners to do the work. There's some engine behind the scenes doing the work it's not like the internet where you've got kind of this tier three and there's these supercomputers that ultimately make you know moves across and then servers are talking to each other remember this is basically a peer-to-peer type situation but your device is your phone your phone has nothing to do with what's doing the work so your phone is making a request that request then goes out to the blockchain and says we got some work for somebody who wants it Then there's a quote for payment. That quote for payment is what compensates the miner to do the work. That's the gas. In the different networks, though, you have different types of work that are done. Proof of work, proof of stake, and so on. This means that the amount of gas necessary to do certain tasks and transactions is going to be different depending on the network you're going through. And by and large, Ethereum is the most expensive. If you don't know why it's the most expensive, there's a whole convoluted story behind it that I won't bore you with. In summary, it works kind of like this. The Ethereum standard is a clunky, I would argue broken, fragmented, chaotic mess that had the right idea at the right time, which was to try to simplify building out the various applications that we now take for granted, opening the door for additional tokens to come on board Because under the Bitcoin side, you didn't have anywhere near that level of diversity potential that you do under Ethereum. So it had the right idea. And then it is true that if you were in Ethereum from the get-go and you were smart enough to see that this one had the same raw potential, and you were able to see how the gas could help spike the value of it early on when it was $10 per, yes, you made out like a bandit. So a lot of people saw that and they just kind of YOLOed into it and then became multimillionaires. However, the people that bought into it early and the people who ultimately built it and who sustain it to this day, they didn't take into account sustainability, meaning that when you get to a certain point of popularity and velocity, you're going to invariably cause it to be unsustainable. The price is out of control. Your low-level people can no longer afford to do full amounts of it. Well, when more miners come on board... That helps the volume a little bit to get more steam to the product, but it also increases the value of the token because now they see that there's appetite. There's a desire to do this. The converse of that is as the volume increases and more apps come on board, the amount of transactions starts to exceed what the current capacity of miners is able to sustain. Remember that the vast majority of mining machines on Bitcoin They're done by what's called ASICs, A-S-I-C, and these are essentially dedicated mining devices. That's all they do. They don't do anything else, and they're super-powered machines, and you spend thousands of dollars for them to mine Bitcoin every day, and it consumes a lot of power. Well, on the Ethereum side today, under proof of work, it could be an ASIC, but it also could be a regular graphics card in a gaming PC, let's say. And people that's what caused the gaming card prices to start spiking out of control is people started buying them up like nuts. And so then they're mining, 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 mining. And so anybody can get on to mining. However, there still isn't enough miners to keep up with the capacity of Ethereum. And then as a result, Ethereum is starting to consume almost as much energy as for certain countries. So the mining fees are high because of demand. There's a demand for the transactions in order to do what we need to do because of the demand of cryptocurrency growing year over year exponentially. In other networks that you have, like Polygon, for example, they are proof of stake. Proof of stake is simpler, and I'm not going to bore you with the details on that one, but it's a simpler model of doing the same thing. There's still a mining aspect to it, but it's nowhere near as involved from an energy perspective as what you have with proof of work, which means gas prices on Polygon, believe it or not, you can do most transactions for free. Some might be like 5 cents, 10 cents. You're like, how the heck is that possible? It simply is that right now, hardly anybody's on Polygon, so number one, it hasn't hit the point of demand exceeding supply. There's a lot more people mining than there are transactions that need those people. As a result, generally speaking, those transactions are gonna be a lot faster than anything on Ethereum, number one. number two. With the exception of transfers, everything being free means on the NFT side, you start to get the ability to mint new NFTs on the cheap, which helps increase that market dramatically. But then you create a contradiction because Ethereum is still the way that most people that are in crypto understand trans, you know, transferring for gas fees is still core Ethereum. The way that they tried to solve this is to create an Ethereum in every network. So there's an Ethereum in Binance Smart Chain. There's an Ethereum in Polygon. There's an Ethereum in Phantom and so on. But there's no direct interchange between them. The way they tried to solve that is to create swaps that allow you to interchange certain tokens for other tokens within and second wrapped tokens. Here are some things you may not know. On Ethereum, and the reason I'm giving you the roundabout story is you kind of understand what they always have done to date is basically a hat on a hat. We have a problem. We'll patch that one problem, which creates another problem. We'll patch that problem. It creates another problem and so on. It's, it's whack-a-mole. They're not able to solve the underlying issue, and that's where I'm kind of getting at now, which is that Ethereum, the token, just the token, ignore the network for a moment, but just the one coin, let's say, Ethereum, is not compliant with the ETH2O or the ERC2O network standard. You're like, how is that possible? Because they didn't think it through. They didn't think through to fix the underlying root cause of why there's so much chaos in gas fees, which is you create this new standard, ERC2, which has been around for a while, but you have never adapted the core currency within it to support that standard. So then, as I said before, they decided to patch it And they created this idea of Wrapped, which is a totally different coin. Wrapped Ethereum, Wrapped Binance, and so on. Wrapped BNB. The Wrapped is what is compatible when you're doing a transaction. Let me simplify that. If you wanted to buy Satama today and you decided to get it from Uniswap as opposed to an exchange, and I, please don't do that. Please just get it from exchange. But let's say you got it from Uniswap instead of an exchange. Uniswap. The, the swap technology predominantly supports wrapped Ethereum for any Ethereum-based token when you go to buy it. Your gas fee is based on how many different transactions it takes to complete the work. So what you're doing when you go in in all good faith, because it makes common sense to you, you take your Ethereum that maybe you, uh, you were sitting on it or maybe you bought it or maybe you got as rewards. So you have your straight-up Ethereum. And you go to the Uniswap. And you say Ethereum is my source and I want Satama on the back end and I want 10 billion Satama. 10 billion Satama as of right now is what, about $500-ish? So you have $500 worth of Ethereum plus whatever it takes to do the gas. So you figure about another $100 on top of this. You go and say swap and you're going to need to do a slippage of probably about 5%. It's going to come back and it's going to say gas fees of 200, and you're like, what the heck is going on here? What's happening is that behind the scenes, Uniswap is, quote, wrapping the Ethereum for you. So it's actually taking your source and it's converting it to a different currency before it actually charges that to the second currency. So that first transaction of the wrap is going to take about 20 to $30-ish worth of gas to do that transaction. Then it's the transaction from the wrapped to what you want, which is probably going to be about anywhere between... $50 and $100, depending on what time of day it is, believe it or not, sometimes higher. Then it's the slippage. So when you add it all in together, that's what gives you back the quote. If you looked at Uniswap's interface, it'll tell you, oh yeah, $37, do, do, do. ignore that, it's, it's nonsense. That fee means nothing. It's only after you click the swap button that you get the real number it would cost you. And because you can't really plan that number, you always have to have excessive amounts of gas sitting in your wallet to do a Uniswap-based transaction. That's why I say, do yourself a favor, and if you're going to do any purchase of any Ethereum-based token that happens to be on at least one exchange, just go to the exchange and get it from there because there's no gas fee. People say, well, there's fees, but the fees are nowhere near the gas fees. You might pay $1, $2, $3, $4-ish, or a small percentage of what you bought. So if you're trying to buy $500 of Satama, you might spend $5 on that. Okay, $5, I'm sure you would agree, is 10 times better, actually 100 times better than going through the Uniswap and getting ripped off for the gas. So this wrapped Ethereum concept is a workaround for the fact that the Ethereum coin doesn't support the ERC-2 standard despite the fact it being the same network. So this is just a, a hat on a hat. We haven't fixed the underlying problem which is an incompatibility issue. And that's the reason why ETH2 was supposed to be this big solution was to get everything on the same page, do merging so that everybody's talking the same language. We're not having this chaos of wrapped and all this other stuff wrapped would still be there because it's been there and it's in liquidity pools, but you don't need to rely on it. You should be able to use the ETH token coin, excuse me, as is to do these transactions, but it keeps getting delayed. ETH2 is getting delayed. I remember Back in 2020, they were talking about it being released, and here we are now, close to two years later. They said then December 2021, that didn't happen. Now they're talking sometime Q1 of 2022. It just keeps getting pushed back and delayed, and that's because they waited so darn long to actually fix the underlying problem. And gas fees got to a fever pitch because they didn't anticipate the explosion of NFTs, which was the first time we started seeing gas fees exceed $50, in my assessment. Enter Cosmos. The, t- the coin name is called Atom, but Cosmos is this, the service that's running this guy. If you are on Coinbase, you've probably already seen its price movement going absolutely ballistic, but didn't really understand fully what's going on with it. And I want to talk about what I've seen of the coin, of the coin because I do believe that what they've got on deck is a direct response to what's going on with Ethereum, and if they are successful in what they're planning, this guy has a chance to be huge in its price, the chance to be the next Solana, the chance to be the next Algorand, the chance to be the next Avalanche in price movement. And if you buy in now, if it makes sense to you, you have the opportunity to be right there at the forefront of it. But I want to explain a couple of things that were key caveats about it before going into the in-depths about it. So just to kind of give some perspective, This coin has been around first as a token, but now as a coin, has been around for years. It's one of the older ones from the first stages prior to the rise, the strong rise of cryptocurrency. This one's been around since 2019. And at the time, it was a lesser known deal as they were building out what they were working towards. And it took them roughly a year before they started seeing, okay, we got something here. And now let's see, let's get this out to the world. The moment they got this communicated out, this dude jumped almost, I would say, like eight times. It it jumped a lot. And it's been growing steadily ever since. But the reason why it's growing so strong, I believe, is in a response to what they're doing or what they're stating that they want to do, the problem they're trying to solve. So let me describe what Cosmos's business case is purported to be, what they're trying to work towards. I gave you the description about how the swaps work and how the fact you've got all these different, you know, the raft and so on. And everything kind of gets in the way of ultimately solving the problem. You're, you're never really fixing the core. And if you go back to some of the old episodes, I gave a rant about the fact that you're stuck on individual networks and that you got to do these bridgings and all this stuff to just get A to B. And my vision would be that I can go A to B and I don't get nailed on gas fees and I don't have to think about having anything in the wallet to support it because the gas should just be part of the whole transaction. That's what Cosmos is trying to solve. They're trying to solve by way of the concept of Wrapped but not using Wrapped using bridging technology that's not quite a bridge so that it's largely transparent to you, the user. So picture this. Let's say I have Tron, which is TRX, as my coin and it's sitting in my wallet. I did not do a Tron episode, mostly because there's so much to it. I didn't want to bore you with the details. But suffice it to say, it's its own coin. It has its own network. It has its own variants of almost every token possible. But it also has kind of the wrapped concept. It has a Binance variant. It has an Ethereum variant. And they've tried their best to do what Cosmos is ultimately described to do. And they've not been successful. If I wanted to take my Tron and I wanted to get BNB on the Binance Smart Chain. Today, the fastest way for me to do this is to send my Tron to, in this case, KuCoin or Gate.io, because I'm in the United States. And I can do that. It's like free or sometimes a penny to send it, so it's not a lot of money. From the exchange, then I would sell my Tron to USD Tether. From USD Tether, I would then buy BNB. Now, here's where I get stuck. In Gate.io, they have minimums for being able to send BNB out. And the minimums are pretty darn high. I think it's like $40 for me. It's, it's a joke of how much they want in a fee. I'm talking the fee, not minimums. Fee. So because the fees are so darn high, I usually use KuCoin. KuCoin is usually about 1% of whatever the price of the token is. So like right now it's like $5. Okay, I can do that. No problem. So I've kind of decided, all right, anytime I need to cash out Tron, I'll go to KuCoin because it seems like the friendliest way for me to swap my Tron for any other token. And that works for me. However, let's say the token that I want isn't supported on KuCoin. Now I have to send my Tron to, in this case, gate.io, because it's the friendliest for inbound, sell it to USD Tether, take my USD Tether, send it to whichever exchange has whatever coin I want, hoping that it's not Hotbit or Bank, because they have joke minimums for deposits, which is ripoff. Then I have to convert my USD Tether to whatever coin, then hope that that... Exchange doesn't have jokes for withdrawal minimums like Hotbit or LBank. It's this whole convoluted process, all just because I want to turn my Tron into something else. And you can interchange any coin or token you want in the names I'm giving. I'm just giving you the picture of what my world looks like every day I transfer crypto. I want coin or token A. I want to sell it immediately and go to coin or token B, and I don't want to have to care about USD Tether, about BMB, about ETH, about USDC, about Wrapped BNB, Wrapped Ethereum. I don't want to have to care about what that middle tier is. I'm telling you, I've got Tron. I want Satama, whatever. That mechanic doesn't exist. And so the exchanges are my way to bridge it. Or I would have to go through Tron's. They have a dedicated wallet and exchange situation just for them. I'd have to take my private key, plug it into there, use that, sell it out to USD Tether, I believe it is, send the USD Tether, still go to an exchange, and then still do the nonsense. It's, it's, it's crazy. Cosmos says, well, wait a minute. We can solve this problem. And the way that they've described solving it, it's important you understand their solution premise because I believe it strengthens the case for why you might consider buying into this guy. What they said is, well, why don't we just create the swap like we always would do? We'll create a pool right in the middle, and this pool will understand how to essentially convert the crypto into a compatible format for the coin on the out or the token on the out. So in other words, it's doing the wrapped concept without you caring or knowing. It's doing the stable coin without you caring or knowing because it simply understands that the exchange rate is X and the coin that's best to exchange is Y, and then it understands how to do the pass-through, but all you care about is I want A, passed in and I want B on the out and it'll figure it out on the back end. And they want to create interchange between all of the different networks. Well, that's, that's my dream right there. The ability to interchange and interplay between Binance and Ethereum without having to care about BNB token, without having to care about ETH, without having to care about any of this stuff. Bridging does that to some degree, but you're still having to care about the gas fees. You're still having to hold various types of gas, original gas formats in your wallet to support it. That's what we're trying to solve says Cosmos. We don't want you to have to care about what's in that gas source. We'll handle this part in the middle for you. So all you're really doing is you're sending us the token that you want, and you're telling us the token that you want out, and we'll give that to you by way of the middle. They don't have strong details about the mechanics behind how that works, but I suspect because of their staking mechanic, they're relying on the various liquidity pools, which is brilliant, to funnel the, and enforce and power this all to happen. If that's true and they're able to solve the problem of interplay between networks, even if there's a small gas fee that applies, cause this is a, it's a separate coin. It's its own deal. That means that you could spin up a new blockchain that is completely independent and does all that stuff. That it is the pie in the sky of not having to care about source network at all. As long as you have the right addresses in order to plug in. Cause once you get to coins, you're not relying on ether scan or BSC scan. Now you're at a totally different called Mint scan to understand that this is the right coin that I want to the right destination so that you don't get inadvertent duplicates and you don't get inadvertent wrong coins in play. But once you figure all that stuff out, it has huge potential to solve the problem. And if ETH2 continues to get delayed, as I suspect that it will, it'll allow that interchange and allow us to at least partially get away from the egregious gas fees that are applied, because now you can get the Binance variant of something, and the Binance gas generally is a fraction of what Ethereum gas is. So at worst, you can then improve the Binance chain. Now, the Binance chain has its own performance issues, but you can at least leverage it and lean on it until others like Phantom and Polygon kind of get more up to speed and more known now those tokens that are minted on those networks get more exposure because now they are options for people that weren't there before that they didn't know about so i have i see huge bullish potential on this guy leading into 2022 personally the website is clear but it doesn't give full details that's something that was a slight concern like they'll talk about staking and they talk about getting rewards for staking but there's no specific numbers they do give a, do a good job of explaining that you can stake if you're in the exchange. So they're on almost every exchange you can think of because they're a coin, including Coinbase and others. The downside is that if you were to, quote, stake your coins on those exchanges, remember what I said in wallets versus exchanges. If it's in an exchange, you don't really own it. They have the right to lock you out of it. They have the right to, right to block you from it. Most don't, but they can. We saw this with Binance.com a little bit ago. When they blocked out all the United States people, now they did give them a little bit of time to get out of it, but the point is any exchange has the ability to do that kind of just drop it and cut you type situation. I don't suspect that that will happen with this coin, but they call it out as a warning that, hey, if you stake with those exchanges, you'll still get rewards, APY, and it's called out, but you don't really own those coins what they ideally want you to do is to put the coins in a wallet and do true staking, which means you still maintain ownership of the coins. Now the downside of doing that is you will not be able to transact with those coins. For you, that may not be a big deal because maybe it's money that's set aside money, like an extra $50 or hundred dollars or something that you just had spare and you're okay staking it because you know, you're not going to need it. And remember you should only be investing what you can afford to lose. But I do think that there's an appeal to the common investor to in the exchange for something like this to just you know get the APYs and it's paid out every 3 days and just get API APY rewards from the exchanges for coins like this although I would not leave it in there long term so if you start seeing that the price movement is going your way and you love what it's doing then I do agree that you should stake it in a local wallet now it's supported on wallets like trust wallet so you don't have to use their wallet but they do recommend putting it in a wallet as opposed to leaving it in the exchange, as I've said on a couple of occasions. So that's my comprehensive update on Cosmos, the Atom token. Again, you can buy it through pretty much every major exchange at this point if you are interested in it. The website is cosmos.network. If you want to do some research, there is a white paper um, and other information on the website if you're curious about it. But based on the price movement that I'm seeing, I remain bullish about what they're doing in the if they're able to pull off what they're talking about doing, I think it's huge, 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 leading into 2022 and thereafter. It has the chance to strong potential, especially the, the key breaking is, does ETH two O fail to launch again and it's delayed again? I think you're going to see this guy skyrocket. That's my opinion based on what I see. And then let me just kind of do some secondary updates, follow on updates. First off with Satama, the Russ, who, of course, he's the face of Satama gave an announcement, and it was kind of one of those under-the-radar announcements, and I wish that it was a little bit more prominent than what it was done. But he says that basically seven days, and we we can assume safely assume that that's seven days to the Cytomask release. And if it comes out in seven days, you're going to want to watch the price movement because Cytomask as presented has made a lot of claims of what it's going to be able to do for those that hold Satama and those that want to buy into Satama, but also all the different tokens that are in that network that will be on there from day one, including Luffy, uh, excuse me, Lily, not Luffy, Lily Finance, and Kishimoto are the two, I would say, top names on there. Shiryo Inu, I believe, is also on there, and there's a couple of others that's kind of the first starters. Now, the downside, of course, is that Suzuki Inu was planned to be on it, and then Suzuki Inu was confirmed to be a rug pull after the fact. And so one person on social media was kind of, I say, let's say disheartened at the announcement because she was feeling like it would just do the same price movement, whereas it's a minor increase and didn't have the same significance that we would expect or that we see a significant pump and then a major whale sellout. Let me just clarify this from my perspective based on price movement in crypto, mostly crypto, but any trading, you're always going to have a predictable price movement. That's the reason that people are able to time different events and time different movements in order to do the trading that they do spot trading or margin, because they're able to see patterns. Pattern is the key to any of these trading. So I believe that the whole significant pump and then whale sell off is perfectly realistic and strongly likely to happen, especially now because you still have whales that bought in and we suspect, and this was kind of naysayed by Russ, but we know it's the truth. We see the graphs we suspect that many that there was some sort of a kind of group i don't want to say conspiracy but collaboration to tank the value of the token so that whales could then buy in at a steep discount that means that whales would have bought back in we saw it on the price movements on dex tools that there were whales that bought in at the dip some of them that were that, that had sold out prior to the prior to or shortly after the failed vegas event So we know that they're there. The question is, are they going to sell out their stake? And if they do sell out their stake, yes. What's going to happen to the token? It's going to have some price challenges. We know that's going to happen. And what I said was, early on, I don't see a reason why it should not drop to zeros by the end of January. Because that would put us right back on track in terms of the price movement of the token. However, that assumes there's no preventable issues and mistakes happening again. Like, for example, if they do another shindig or try to do another shindig and, of course, the wallet's out now, but let's say there's bugs or some other person called out that there's spelling issues and grammatical issues and let's say there's other issues that weren't caught because the audit doesn't really catch bugs. It doesn't catch performance. It doesn't catch gas. So remember the statement always was that you're going to spend less gas, you have savings, That Let's say that doesn't happen. You're always going to have the FOMO sellout. So you have to kind of expect it but i'd be shocked if it didn't drop two zeros in january whether it keeps those two zeros off after the end of january really depends on the so-called wolf pack buying the dip because if you don't buy the dip then no it's not going to feel like you're getting any kind of good money out of it because yes i do suspect there's going to be strong pump leading in initially because the wallet's finally here and there's going to be people that are going to be buying in naturally because of the word of mouth as well as just exposure on the app store it's going to be promoted on the app store presumably people get in there and they're going to see whatever issues they see and there's going to be people who nitpick it and then there's going to be fomo because there's going to be whale sellout that's a natural occurrence for the price movement specifically with this token that you are going to see the whales kind of influence that's why i say it's up to the wolf pack because if they're allowing that to happen it's going to happen That's what's happening with SHIB. They can have the strongest token in the world and the strongest community in the world and all this other jazz, but it's not going to mean anything if the community is is allowing themselves to be influenced by the red when they see it and they're not zooming out the graph to kind of see the bigger picture that, hey, now to be fair, Satama is still up. It's still up from when it launched by far and away. However, it's down for the past roughly month and a half. So it has not recovered what it has lost. So We're not even at the base of where it should be. So we are catching up from behind. That's why I still say it's two zeros rather than more. If it goes more, that's great. But it's going to have a hard time maintaining that position based on how much was lost. Whales are still going to influence it no matter what you do. That's not going to change. I just wouldn't worry about it too much and just kind of watch and wait and let the thing play out. And maybe it all sorts itself out. I don't think it's worth kind of freaking out about, but I know that that's, you know, kind of endemic of the crypto community. So if you're in Satama, what I would tell you is you are pretty much responsible for what happens. First of all, whether my prediction pans true and it gets to zeros, I don't see a reason it shouldn't at this point. But also how easily it's able to keep those zeros on or off, depending on how you perceive it is going to depend on buying the dips. you got to kind of not freak out over the red and buy when it's a discount because you're trying to increase your position and you treat it as a discount as it is. The worst case, though, we are at our resistance now, right? And so since we're at the resistance, that should tell you what the cheapest it is. So at the minimum, people should be really buying now a long position for the future. That's my that's my perspective on it. Anyway, feel free to ignore me, but I... I I've been bullish on Thomas since day one. I just think it's it's having issues with the preventable mistakes made and hopefully there won't be any more of those. And if you don't have any more of those, I see no reason that it cannot hit that next level. Um, so let's see how that goes. And big picture, um, just for more informational purposes. Um, there have been a lot of squawkings. I can't describe any of the way Squawkings about Binance smart chain, and American folks. The problem, I think, is with the Binance smart chain. It's hard for anybody in the United States to buy into it, and people are like, what are you talking about, Binance? I want to just reiterate. I covered this on one of the other old old episodes, but I want to reiterate. It's more difficult. Nobody said it's impossible, but it's more difficult to buy into the Binance smart chain, and when I say difficult, I'm talking about the hoops you have to go through to do it. In America, most everybody, if you're really serious about any sort of crypto today, you're going through Coinbase.com. And I don't say that to be arrogant. I'm saying it because it's the truth. We do have access to Crypto.com, but because they have no web interface, you're losing a lot of people over there because you're assuming one choice of, of customer base. And so you're losing a lot of people there. There's Robinhood, but Robinhood doesn't support every state, which is stupid. And... They don't support every coin, which is also stupid, and of what they do support, you don't really own the tokens, so you can't even access wallet data at all. So, to me, that's out. I want to kind of advocate first. Binance US is still there, and you can buy BNB, but their KYC is a joke. Mine's been out there for three months, and they just refuse to touch it, and they don't want to respond. So, I say Binance US. I will never recommend Binance US to anybody. And United States cannot access Binance.com because of the issues with the United States government. It's a stupid situation. So what I've always recommended had been gate.io, and I still think gate.io is solid for anybody who's trying to trade Binance or any of the other chains, but I'm going to add my chip in the hat for KuCoin. And the reason I say that is because as I've used KuCoin some more, and I was fine with them before, but I've used them more now, and I recognize that... They're really kind of the gold standard from my perspective of being able to, as a United States citizen, work with the various networks, Binance and Polygon and anything else, and interchange between them a lot easier, a lot faster, lower minimums. It's easy to work with them. The KYC is not stupid. The login's not stupid. It just, it's a, been a very pleasant experience, and I wanted to put a, a hat off to them at the tail end of this because I was, I was very surprised as I've used it more at how much better it is versus what gate.io was doing there are still some tokens that they don't support but vast majority of the time i'm able to use it i'd say 95 percent to do what i need to do so just a shout out for them that's all i got for this episode folks and you know again happy new year i know i haven't spoken to you since last year i know it's been an exciting no it has I'm, I'm being facetious An exciting 2021 but you should look forward to 2022. I believe you should look forward to it. I think we're on the road for good things in the future. It's just going to take time and patience. I'm bullish about most of the projects leading into 2022. Anyone that I've mentioned that I was bullish about, I'm still bullish about, and anyone that I was skeptical of, I'm still skeptical of, and nothing's really changed my mind on that. And ETH2O, if they if they fail to get that thing out, I think we're headed for big changes in crypto with different networks kind of stepping up to the plate and that's going to change the whole landscape from a potential perspective we're going to see more price movements from some of these other networks but we also are going to see more competition than we did before so take care hopefully this has been helpful and informational at the same time take a look at adam because i do think it's doing good things if it makes sense for you do add it to your portfolio as part of a diverse portfolio remember don't yellow into the darn thing only invest what you can afford to sell. I may or may not be back tomorrow. Just uh, give me, this afternoon. I doubt it. Chances are, I think I'm pretty comprehensive. But if there are some significant updates, which I'm kind of keeping an eye on, then there may be an out-of-cycle update to kind of announce those. But this is me signing off. And any feedback is always appreciated. Please do share and or subscribe if you're not already. I appreciate each and every one of you. Take care.